The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 219 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Helen Marshall, a certified primal health coach and founder of the grain-free food range Primal Alternative. Inspired by her own health journey, Helen now teaches others to improve their health and elevate their careers with a primal lifestyle. We discuss the impact of a chronic low-fat diet, the impact of gluten and dairy, as well as other refined foods, the role of inflammation, how to be an intuitive eater, and all about Helen's business, Primal Alternative. Hi, Helen, and welcome to the show. Hey, Steph. It's really cool to be here. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm very excited to share your story with my listeners. As it is your first time on The Real Food Real, I'd love from you for, or love for you to take us through your personal health journey and um, yeah, I guess what started the change that you've made in more recent years. Sure, love to. Well, I have spent all my life really motivated to be healthy. So that involved following conventional wisdom around what we needed to do to be healthy, which was to have a low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet. In fact, from the age of 14, so that was back in 1989, (laughs) I remember seeing um, an advert from the government, which was um, a frying pan with some cold and somebody had written the words fat with their finger. And the government message then was, you know, fat will make you fat, Mm. fat will kill you. And so I was, you know, thought, holy crap, you know, like, I don't want to eat any more of that lard that mum cooks the food in and none of that butter that mum gives me and, you know, the full fat milk and all that kind of thing. And so I went to a completely low fat diet. And I remember my mum would make me these lovely chicken and avocado sandwiches. And I'd say, hold the avocado because, you know, there's too much fat in avocado. So I did, I ate this way and it was pretty 
pretty, a pretty miserable way to eat, to be honest, <laughs> now that I know um, the flip side of it. But the other um, part of being healthy um, back in the day was to exercise like a maniac, you know, as, as many classes as possible. There was no such thing as too much, you know. So I would do up to 10 aerobics classes a week. And, um, yeah, so, so the food was uh, low fat. The exercise was chronic cardio. There wasn't any emphasis in my life on rest and um, recovery. Um, I worked as a gym instructor actually in the leisure industry and as a personal trainer for 10 years and then as a recruiter for 10 years in the corporate world. So stress really um, played a big part in my life as well. And then I got married and went on to have two beautiful children. And when I look back, I was so lucky to fall pregnant so easily when I think of what was going on inside my body back then. Um, and I had beautiful pregnancies, amazing home births, breastfed my children, everything that I really had hoped for. But then with the constantness of kids and anyone who's a parent and you'll soon to find out, it's a wonderful journey, but it's very constant. So um, this just doesn't stop. You just don't knock off at five o'clock and rest, you know? So that kind of was the last sort of straw on the back of my camel. And um, about four years ago in March 2014, I just hit rock bottom. So I just had all, oh, just all the symptoms. I had all the symptoms in the world. So everything, I'll just go head to toe so it's easier to remember them all. <laughs> um, chronic headaches. So I'd have to like pop out of bed at two o'clock in the morning to take some Nurofen just so I could go back to sleep because the headaches were just so intense. Um, I had complete brain fog. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I developed phobias around my kids getting sick and flying. So even though I've travelled the world, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not Australian. I've come from the northeast of England and I've travelled the world, but suddenly for 10 years I didn't fly anywhere because I was terrified of flying, which is not me. I just didn't know what was going on. My whole body was aches and pains. I had heartburn, bloating, constipation, couldn't sleep, had zero libido. And to be honest, yeah, it was just a complete mess there. It was a horrible, horrible place to be. Wow. Yeah, that's full on. And a lot of it you feel is directly related to the guidelines that you've been following and, and your concerted effort to be healthy, but unfortunately um, following, I guess, things upside down. Yeah. Like it was a total backfire. It didn't work. It doesn't work. If you look around, you know, next time you're out in public or you look around in the supermarket, look around at people. If you, if you look, if you take a, like, um, if you go back in time um, to look at pictures of people like in the seventies and sixties, everybody was lean. And, you know, then when they brought in this message to that fat would make you fat, we all started eating more carbohydrates. And as a result, we've become the sickest and fattest we've ever been as a humankind. I mean, it's, it's tragic really, isn't it? Flawed death, advice. Death by food pyramid. Absolutely. It is totally. tragic. Mm. So what did you do? How did you turn things around? <laughs> well, in my dark night of the soul, I was <laughs> sat on the couch talking to my husband, Mike, who's a gorgeous Kiwi man. And um, he's like, oh, girl, I just want you to be better, eh? I'm sick of you being like this. I just, I hate seeing you like this. It's tearing me apart, girl. What can we do, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I said to him, look, I feel like I need to go and see a naturopath. But, you know, 
back in the day, we were just a um, one income family and naturopaths are expensive, absolutely worth every cent. And I see naturopaths regularly all the time now. But back then, it seemed an impossible feat to, to start to unravel this mess that I was in, you know. So I sat on the couch and I said, you know, I need to go and see a naturopath, but they're so expensive. And anyway, she's only going to tell me to go gluten-free. And I was like, huh, really? Where's that come from? Like, it was just almost like a, I don't know, like a, a feeling that came through me that this is what I had to do. So I decided I'd go gluten-free. And so I uh, put it on Facebook because <laughs> you do, right? If you want to be accountable, tell your friends because they'll be asking you how you've, how you've gone. And everybody was offering great suggestions of what to do. And one of my friends, Kirsty, said, if you're going to go gluten-free, why don't you try paleo? I'm like, what's this paleo? Never heard of it before. So I Googled it, good old Dr. Google. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was like cutting out, as your listeners will know, cutting out grains, cutting out dairy, cutting out sugar, legumes, alcohol. It was just, like, incredible. And obviously cutting out seed oils as well. And it was so different to what I'd been eating that I thought, look, this sounds crazy, but I was reading so much anecdotal evidence that this worked and these people had transformed their health. And so being highly motivated with my health, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a go for six weeks and then I'll go back to my low-fat diet. (laughs) I just didn't really realize um, what a difference it would make. And wow. What a difference it made, Steph. Like, oh, I've got to admit, like, the first three to five days was awful. It was like a really intense detox. Mm-hmm. And they say that the worse that the detox that you have, the more you needed to do it, right? That's how much of a mess you were in. But after the three to five day detox, I kind of popped out this into this different universe. Like, this, it was more three dimensional. Like, the music sounded better. And, um, the colors were more vibrant and it was like a fog or like a veil had been lifted. It was really like a moment, you know, just like, Oh my God. And I I said to my then I said, I'm never, never going back to gluten because that is my absolute kryptonite. Mm -hmm. And you know, the other thing I was so shocked about Steph, I was so shocked to see where gluten was, right? Because when you go gluten free, you think of, okay, breads, pasta, cereals, you know, the usual things. And so I just went straight out and bought gluten-free versions of this. I was like, oh, this is a winner. This is going to be easy. And I was so disappointed. Like these gluten-free alternatives were full of stuff that I didn't really want to eat. A lot of preservatives, emulsifiers, soy, that kind of thing. And they tasted like rubbish, <laughs> to be honest. Didn't, taste, didn't mm-hmm. taste so good. And and then I had to stop eating my low-fat ice cream because there was gluten in there. Like what was gluten doing in in there you know it's just like all of these different places where gluten is added and you start to just think well you know that gluten makes makes you want more it's almost addictive so the food companies are putting gluten into everything to make us want more and to eat more which is a shocker really isn't it oh absolutely yeah that's totally crazy yeah it is also mm. obviously i think for a lot of people um there is i think initially that assumption that we're talking about gluten-free products, which I think, you know, you only need to look in your local supermarket. There's entire shelves dedicated to 
gluten-free alternatives of just about everything now, including like the old school Vegemite, which for me was one of the hardest things to cut out all those decades ago mm. now where I went first, um, first went gluten-free. But, you know, it's really important, um, as our listeners know, to focus on real food. And, you know, paleo might be the way you explain it. It could be jerf. It could be whole food. But then you're, you're pretty much 100% gluten-free anyway and you don't need to buy all these products that are very nutrient poor and, as you say, full of ingredients that you really don't want to be consuming. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And really, I think you're right. There are so many different, different names for it as well, but it really just comes down to eating what the planet has provided us to eat, which is plants and animals. And whatever version you have of that, you know, that suits you and which, you know, animals you want to eat or not eat or which vegetables you like, and you know, what works for you. But really, when you think about it, that's what mother nature has provided us to eat. And that's what we're designed for as humans. Yeah, for sure. So you cut out gluten and it was absolutely an epiphany for you. Um, and then obviously you'd, you'd taken a pretty deep dive into paleo, which cuts out, as you mentioned, grains, dairy, seed oils, legumes, um, sugar, of course. Did you, did you stay living that way? And, and do you have any suggestions for our listeners that, um, you know, that you wish maybe you knew back then when you first made that change? Yes, I do. I think the biggest one is to relieve yourself of the burden of time. You know, there's so many 30-day program this, 21-day program this. And I think, you know, and it was like me, I'll do this for six weeks and then I'll go back to what I was doing before. But really what we need to um, acknowledge and commit to is that we're going to be doing this. This is like life, your life work. This is work in progress every day. And you know, um, it's very handy to have these, like I have my own 21 day clean living journey. It's really awesome as a great reboot or a reset or to give yourself some kind of guidelines around what the heck you can and can't eat. I know I'm very, I like to have it very black and white, what, what you can and can't do, you know, until you develop some confidence and, um, start to really tune in to what is working for you and what's not working for you. So I guess, my first piece of advice would be relieve yourself of the burden of time. And the second piece of advice would be find out what works for you. Give yourself 100% responsibility for your health. Don't give your health away to anybody um, who can make decisions for you. So take responsibility for you and find out what works best for you. And then the third thing is to realize that you're a human, right? Humans don't like deprivation. Human nature is to get away with as much as possible. And that's okay because, you know, there's going to be days where you'll stick, you know, like you have a perfectly squeaky clean, healthy day. And then the next day, maybe not so squeaky clean. But that's all right because I really believe there's no failure. There's only feedback or growth. So, you know, for example, I really enjoy a glass of red wine. And as much as I thought, maybe I shouldn't drink red wine, you know, if I want to be healthy and I've sort of had my inner negotiations around whether it's right for me or not. What I've done is found um, a beautiful organic red wine that I like to have and I have, you know, have a certain amount and I know that that's, that's me and I have alcohol free days. So all of this is what's working for me. But just now and again, Steph, I'll have that extra glass of wine that I wasn't planning on having 
and the next day I might have a little headache, right? But that's okay because, because that's just human nature and I've just pushed the boundaries and it's a little reminder to, to you know, stick within my reasonable limits. So I guess those would be my three, three tips to your listeners. Yeah, they're super important. I think that whole intuitive thing, that conversation, it comes up quite a bit, but I wonder how you applied that. Like, did you say, did you stay completely paleo or did you make some changes based on, um, well, actually, yeah, like when you felt better, did you then think maybe you could tolerate some foods? Like take us through that next phase of your journey. Yeah, I didn't answer that question, did I? Good point. Well, I, I stuck, since I learned about paleo, it was only a few clicks until I found Mark Sisson and the Primal Blueprint. And the Primal Blueprint really resonated with me um, because it is more of a case of, um, you know, really getting back to the foods that we have evolved on and thrive on as a human and working out which versions of those foods work for you. So, you know, like to start with, I would have still a little bit of rice because I wasn't sure, I didn't know what, what else to have. Um, I didn't believe that cauliflower rice would be nice at all until I tried it. You know, so I guess mine's been a, a slow process. I, first of all, I just went gluten-free and then I took out other bits. And then, you, you know, you start to think, well, actually, I don't want to have milk. I had for a while still, you know. And then I was like, actually, I don't want to have dairy anymore. And so I've just kind of like refined and I, I'm tweaking and refining all the time. And even though I feel like I've got a handle on what works for me, I'm still so open to learning new information and love to have a little test or, you know, like, so Marcison um, brought out the keto reset um, towards the back end of 2017. I was like, great, I can't wait to have a little six week keto reset for myself, you know? So I guess for me, it's just a case of eating plants and animals. You know, if we're going to have a pizza night, I'll happily have a little bit of cheese on top of my pizza, but I know that you know, having lots of milk in my diet was the cause of my constipation for all those years, all those skinny flat whites. So I guess it's just a case of um, adapting and finding out what, what works best for me, which is what I've done. Yeah. And I think that's another really great piece of advice. Like I, I'm not completely dairy free. Um, a lot of my recipes are, but I definitely know if I eat too much, I actually notice it first in my knees and in my wrists at yoga. So for me, that's um, a flashing red light, you know, to pay attention. Mm. And I think everyone's got their barometer. Some of my clients, it's their digestive system. Others, it's their skin. Like me, obviously it's my joints. And, you know, I think that if we pay enough attention um, and whether that's initially writing down a food and symptom diary or connecting the dots, I think that's really important to work out what version of paleo or what version of real food works for you. So that's some great advice. Mm, mm, it is very good advice. And it's funny, isn't it? Because um, it, there's so many variables. Like for me, it's a, it can be quite cumulative. You know, like you'll have a little bit of dairy and you'll think, oh, that was okay. And then the next night you might go to, to, to dinner at a friend's and they've got a cheese board and you think, ha ha, I'll have some cheese. And then, you know, it, it can kind of go and then you're like, oh yeah, you know, now I can't poo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's really interesting to, to notice these things. And, you know, like your wrists and knees are talking to you in your yoga class. Your body is always giving you feedback mm -hmm. on how well you're doing. And it can be affected by all sorts of different things. I know when I travel, that can really be, even though I feel really relaxed and comfortable, it can be a stress on my nervous system, which can really affect how, how well I'm doing or how well I'm feeling. So there's all sorts of things going on. 
Yeah, lots of variables. I agree. So did you ever get a diagnosis per se, or do you think that there was just a whole collection of inflammation from your previous food choices or, you know, lack of the anti-inflammatory fats? Yeah, well, I got two diagnoses. diagnoses. Um, one was from my doctor who said, and I had every single goddamn test under the sun, including a full body scan, right? And she said, there's nothing wrong with you. You might have irritable bowel syndrome, but we don't have a drug for that. Mm. I think you need to go and see a psychologist because I think you're depressed. Mm. So, so that, was, that was my conventional. And I love my doctor. Like, she's amazing. But that was, she was giving me the best that she could with what she had, right? Mm. And then I did go to see the naturopath. And the naturopath, um, amazing naturopath, still see her to this day, told me that I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and a leaky gut. Like who hasn't got a leaky gut? Who's lived a life like that? You know, so that's, it's still a work in progress. Um, I've definitely in the last four years come a long way on my healing journey, but I think this is me for the rest of my life, you know? And when you look back at certain things um, in your life, when you, with the knowledge that you have now, you know, like I was on antibiotics the whole of my childhood and I was on um, oxytetracycline, which is a really full on, um, antibacterial um, antibiotic for acne that I had in my when I was like around 18, 19, 20. So when you look back at things like that, you can say, oh, wow, no wonder that this all accumulated to this horrible health crisis. But the reality is, Steph, that what I was suffering with was just common, common everyday symptoms, you know, nausea, pain, headaches, bloating, depression, anxiety, phobias. There are so many people that are living with these, with these symptoms and, you know, they don't need to be living with them. And that's what's my passion is to really get out and let other women know that they're not on the run in their health journey and that they too can reclaim their health with a few dietary lifestyle tweaks. Yeah, awesome. And that's obviously become your mission in life. So share with us what you did in terms of, I guess, educating others and and where you went first. And then I want to hear all about your amazing business. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I was really evangelical, right? (laughs) Um, So when I, when I reclaimed my health, I was, I was like, wow. And I was, was literally like this compulsion, like there was no, um, there was no like, oh, shall I tell other people about it or not? It was like, I just felt this drive. I had to get this message out there. Um, so I started holding like primal chats around in my house um, where we'd get like a group of women together talking about how they were feeling. And I'd offer free primal chats in coffee shops as well, which was basically me just giving them all the information I knew about a primal lifestyle and then them leaving completely overwhelmed, not, not knowing where to start. So I thought, right, I need to do something more than this. So I qualified as a primal health coach with Mark Sisson's um, certification course, which actually gives you some coaching skills, you know, so you can make it relevant to your client instead of just bombarding them with information. And I had great success with that. I was just like, if I can help one other woman, one of the women, one of the women, to, to feel better than like I've made all the difference in the world. But now with my Thrive, my 21-day program and Set for Life, which is my six-week program, 
I've helped over 300 women reclaim their health. And I've just actually wrapped up a course of Thrive. And at the end of Thrive, I, I ask everybody to write a testimonial to themselves, you know, because we very rarely give ourselves praise and credit. But when we do give ourselves praise and credit, we set some really cool neural pathways in the brain that will give us a good dopamine or endorphin kind of hit that will help us to repeat the behavior. So, that, you know, they can see why I'm asking them to do it. And it, it's also very uncomfortable to say, look how far I've come, you know, for all of the fear of the tall poppy syndrome, that kind of thing. But anyway, just reading through the testimonials, the changes that these women have made, like, it's like, wow, I have to read them out to my husband. I'm like, check this out. This is amazing what's happened. But anyway, I digress. So anyway, so I was doing my health coaching and I got a lot of kickback, right, to be honest, Steph. And I know me and you are like super motivated um, when it comes to health and like we've made it our life's work, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of my clients had full-time jobs doing other things that weren't in the health industry. So they might be teachers or ambulance drivers or, you know, working at the local supermarket. And they didn't have the inclination or the time to spend all that time in the kitchen preparing everything from scratch because, you know, like eating a clean living diet in, involves, you know, chopping all of your spray-free veggies, slow cooking your grass-fed meat, You've got your sauerkraut bubbling away in the corner and you've got kombucha over there and all these other things, all these other things going on that it, by the end of the week, my clients would say to me, H, like I'm exhausted and I've had enough and I've worked really hard. I've spent really three hours a day in the bloody kitchen and although I feel good, like I'm exhausted tonight and just need a night off cooking. So I'm going to get a pizza and, you know, you just get your standard kind of conventional pizza with the gluten and everything else in them and then they'd feel a bit crap about that so they'd down a bottle of wine and while they were at it they might as well finish off that whole bar of Cadbury's that's in the pantry and you <laughs> like we've all been there right we can all relate but then the next day not only would they be feeling like they'd undone all their good work and have all of that guilt and remorse and all of that crap going on but also their body would really react strongly to it too because they'd removed all of these you know, um, inflammatory foods and all these inflammatory factors and then they would just be feeling a lot worse than they had done before, which is why I offered to cook for my clients. So I said, well, well how about I make you some of my paleo bread that I've got? Would that make life easier for you? So and how about if, if I come up with a pizza base so that you can just eat this base instead of the, order that one and you can just have them in the freezer. So you just put your toppings on and that's it. You've got your cooking. And how about if, you know, when you said you really wanted to have that bar of chocolate, how about if I can make you a beautiful grain-free chocolate chip cookie to have instead? You know, so, so that's, how, that's how Primal Alternatives started. So good. I think, you know, it's common that when you talk to someone about whether it is low carb or real food or primal or paleo it is the breads and the pizzas and the treats that people have that massive epiphany that you know that's obviously not no longer going to fit in with their lifestyle so it's great that we don't have to miss out on these favorite foods we're obviously replacing conventional items with foods that are so nutrient dense and low in carbohydrate, full of healthy fats. So it's by no means a one-to-one. 
we're obviously adding more nutrients, but still able to enjoy all of our favorite foods that typically, you know, very high in carbohydrate. So I just love what you've created. Um, I'm having trouble deciding which is my favorite, whether it's your fat and seedy bread or those (laughs) chocolate chip cookies, which are next level. (laughs) People have been asking about what pregnancy, sorry, what was that? Just have them both. Have, have the them both. Yeah. And the cookie. Exactly. <laughs> um, but people have been asking me what my pregnancy cravings are and I haven't really had any, but um, I've been loving the your fat and seedy bread with peanut butter. So I think that's a pretty good um, mm. craving per se. <laughs> awesome. Yummy. That's yeah. <laughs> so good. So obviously you've got an entire range. Um, you've got Collie. Is it Collie or just low-carb pizzas? Uh, low carb pizza. So I'll talk you through the range that we've yes. got. Um, and really, you know, you, Steph, you're so right. When you tell people that they can't eat bread anymore, mm-hmm. like it's lit- they literally want to weep. You know, yes. like there's something about bread, and it's not, and it's not necessarily the wheat in the water that makes your conventional bread. There's something that's deep, deep in our line of you know ancestors from the industrial revolution where. I don't know. It's, it's, and even in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Like, you like you can't take that away from people. Like and you really can't. So to be able to just have an alternative, a primal alternative, and you know, like when I'm talking about bread, my when I first told my dad about the my bread, and he was a great bread maker, like a traditional bread maker from way back. He said, "What's in your bread?" And I said, "Oh well, it's almond meal and coconut." oil and zucchini and some seeds and some eggs and he was like so it's not bread at all like (laughs) there's nothing bread about that and it's true because it it is like you said before it's nutrient um nutrient dense ingredients pretending to be bread or pretending to be pizzas so we've got our fat and seedy bread which has got one gram of carbohydrates per slice and the fat and seedy pizza bases which have got four grams of carbs per slice so, like, as you can imagine, they fly off the, off the shelves yeah. in our low-carb and keto communities. And then we've got um, fruit toast, which is a delicious blend of nuts, uh, seeds, spices, and either Inca berries or goji berries. And that's my – that's a really good breakfast or, like, when you're feeling like a dessert or cake, like a snack, you know, with butter on, honey on, mwah. It's just absolute heaven. And then we've got our zucchini and pumpkin bread, which are alternatives to a wheat bread. You would just swap them out. The chop chip cookies, which we've talked about a lot, we put um, the primalistas, that's the primal alternative producers, did a massive bake-off for the Wellness Summit where you and I met a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Um, and they put a, yeah, a cookie in every single goodie bag. And um, when I was speaking on stage, I said, did you enjoy the cookies? And there was a big, yeah, because... <laughs> The cookies taste like something your nana would make, right? And they they really get by fussy kids, dubious husbands, like anyone who's a bit not sure about your healthy lifestyle, you know? Um, and then we've got our pizza bases, uh, which, yeah, just are a great um, – we have them every Friday. It's just our Friday night off cooking. Yeah. Oh, and the jellies. How could I forget? The <laughs> jellies, which are a um, really awesome, fun way, really, to get gut-nourishing um, – gelatin into 
I wanted to get, I created the recipe to get some gelatin into my kids because they weren't down with the bone broth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, we'll make some jellies. And so they're very gelatin rich and turns out that they're um, a hit with big kids as well, which is awesome. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Speaking of the wellness summit, I hadn't even looked at my goodie bag. (laughs) To be honest, I just sometimes think that I want to recycle most of the pieces of paper in there because I'm a bit of a greenie. Um, You, I think I said to you girls, that cookie was by far the absolute highlight and I was straight in there (laughs) and um, it was a nice (laughs) surprise to have one of those in the goodie bag. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Awesome. So good. So obviously a full range and we'll pop your website in the show notes for everyone to go and check those out. But tell us more about how the business has expanded because I actually posted on um, Instagram recently and I had a lot of questions about what is that bread and where do I get it from? Um, and it's obviously a slightly oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah. I had a few questions, um, but it's obviously a slightly different business model. So tell us about where Primal Alternative has gone. Okay. Right. Well, like I said, I, I literally um, offered to, to cook for my clients and I think there's about three people put their hand up. Right. So that was, that was how the business started. And, um, you know, I wanted to do everything for everyone. So I was, mm. I wanted to do cooked meals, bone broth, um, activated cashew milk, kombucha, everything. Right. And then, um, I found out that you're only allowed to do certain low risk products from home. And so for me, this was a great answer to a career crisis that I'd had. So I mentioned earlier, I used to work in the corporate world while working, you know, from 7am till 7pm at night didn't fit in with how I wanted to, how I wanted motherhood to look, you know, like I wanted to enjoy being with my kids. So I was, I would been looking for something I could do from home that would fit in around the family, but still contribute to the family finances and give me something to me to do that was for me. You know what I mean? So I'd, you know, um, tried massage. I tried babysitting. I really don't like children very much. So <laughs> that wasn't a good one. Um, <laughs> I tried everything I could just to try and make ends meet with the kids, with the kids being at home. So this was a perfect answer to it. So um, I'd serve some of the local health food shops, um, independent grocers, gourmet pizza shops and cafes with my bake that I did on a Monday morning. And then I'd bake on a Thursday um, morning for a little market that I did at the Steiner School um, after school on a Friday. And that was awesome and um, helped us pay the mortgage. And then I was doing quite a lot of um, personal development work at the time. And in a session that I had with my mentor, we uncovered and kind of exercised a real strong limiting belief that I had around money, which was that rich people are wankers, right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So obviously I was never going to be rich in my life because I didn't want to be a wanker, right? So once I'd met this fear and, you know, really sort of met it face on, and kind of realized how ridiculous it was and did various for the homework around getting rid of this limiting self-belief. I was just sat at my kitchen table one day and, um, and literally it felt like the universe just popped an idea in my head. If you imagine like my head was like a nest, right? And I popped in just a little fledgling bird, right? Popped it into my head 
and said, franchise your baking business so that you can get these products to the whole of Australia. And I was just like, oh, my God, I have to do this. Like this is, I have to do this, even though I have had no experience of the franchise industry. In fact, the franchise industry is something that I see on today, tonight. You know, like all the bad things happen in the franchise industry. It's like, you know, so I went into this um, completely blind, completely just one baby step after another. But I really felt that it was um, something that the universe wanted to manifest. And if I hadn't have run with the idea, the idea would have run to somebody else. And this primal alternative or an equivalent would be in the world now, you know. So so I um, franchised my baking business. I literally had the idea in August two years ago and sold my first franchise um, two years ago, two days ago. So like, what's that? So like had the idea in August, sold my first franchise in September. So it was a very quick, um, quick turnaround. And then I launched the um, Primal Alternative uh, website on Boxing Day 2016. So that was a really good way to kind of take it more national. And to date, 59 women have said yes to this incredible opportunity. So mind-blowing very quick growth it's amazing well done though because obviously you couldn't possibly feed australia yourself from your own kitchen so you know i'm only one woman (laughs) yeah yeah so i can definitely appreciate your initial concerns about franchising but um from what i saw of all the team that were at the wellness summit you've definitely got an amazing group of women that you know i'm sure they're so grateful because I'm, I'm also sure that maybe they had a similar journey to you, whether it was health or career, you know, looking for something that would fit into their life more and that they really love doing. Because I can speak firsthand to say how important that is. It's, I think, when you do what you love, like as cliche as it is, you do really never work a day in your life. And yes, it's hard work, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same as having to front up in a, in a corporate environment, um, you know, for the money, so to speak. <laughs> mm, no, absolutely. You know, and all the primalistas, so that, that's my nickname that I've given to the producers or cause you know, primal alternative producers or franchisees are just so corporate and that's not what mm-hmm. we're about. We're more of like a kind of like a, um, like a sisterhood or a cooperative, you know, where we all work together to, to have this, um, this larger goal. And all of the primalistas have had some kind of, health crisis of their own and this baking franchise is like a vehicle for them to make a difference um, to, to people in their community and it's a very um when we when you know like when i went back to my story when i was evangelical and boring the pants off everybody who'd listen if this opportunity had been there to me this is a much more positive way to get your message across to feed people to to cut out the middleman of all of them you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that you should live like i am blah 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 feel like you've got to save the world whereas when you can just offer people a more nutritious version of what they already love it's just so much easier to um to help people stay on track because staying on track with these kind of, um, you know, inverted commas, extreme ways of eating can be, can be hard, you know, like, so if you know that you can have, I mean, most days I'm having, you know, plants and animals, meat and three veg, salad, 
you know, bacon and eggs. But then on the days where I just want to have a piece of toast or I just want to have a pizza night, I just want to have a bloody cookie with a cup of tea. Like I can without undoing all of that hard work, you know. So yeah, the prime listers have come from a very similar um, background. They have a strong passion and we all really have this feeling that when food is homemade with love, there's, it's, it's got a different energy to it than something that's pumped out in a factory. And I know there's no science around it, but you know when you've made, you know when you have something that's been homemade for you, Steph, like there's just so much like this love in it, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. I totally know what you mean. And it does have a really nice homemade feel to it, which is obviously one of the big reasons why you didn't want to go like factory level, yeah? Mm, yeah look absolutely like factories just don't light me up i'm fascinated by them i love looking around factories if there's a show on telly about factories i'm interested but it's almost like um it was fuad actually that said this fuad from quirky cooking he said it's like a primal way of bringing primal food like we've gone we've bypassed the like the industrial factories and we've gone back to the kitchen the heart of the home making food you know it's, it's very cottage industry um, but you know, so, so the primalistas have got their own home business that they can, you know, there's no targets, there's no minimum things have got to hit, you know, they, they can create a business that serves them. And that's going to look really different from primalistas, primalistas, you know, based on their life. I mean, some of the primalistas work full time. Some of them are mums with kids at home. So what they're capable of doing and how much time they want to spend in their business really varies and it's up to them to create something that really works well in their lives which I absolutely love as well and the biggest thing that holds us all together is the community so you saw you know those 12 primalisters flew in from you know WA and New South Wales and obviously Victoria for the wellness summit in Melbourne um, but you know we and I've never met them before most of them but it felt like we we were just old girlfriends catching up because we've got all of the same values. We share the same values, you know. So when we connect as a community, you've got this feeling that you really do, you have something bigger, that you're part of something bigger. Um, and that can be really good. Like you say, when you are running your own business and doing what you love, it's not easy. There's speed bumps, you know, there's things to overcome. But when you can go and share your shit days with your sisters and say, oh man, you know, markets was a washout today, nothing went right. Or, you know, on the, on the flip side, you've just scored a new amazing stockist or you've got an amazing review from a customer and you want to share that success with people who really care, then we've got that group. And that's what really is the, um, that's, they, they are the success of Primal Alternative. I'm so proud of them all, love them to bits. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So, where can we get our hands on these amazing products? I'm sure everybody's dying to know. <laughs> well, you can if you go to primalalternative.com, you can check out the stockist tab and find out which is the nearest farmers market or um, you know bricks and mortar stockist to you. But you can also order online, so we've got a shop tab there as well. And there's actually free shipping on orders over $100. And one product I did forget to mention when I was going through the range before, Steph, is we also have a pastry. So it's a quirky cooking recipe. So if you're a quirky cooking fan, 
you've probably um, heard of Fuad's life-changing dough recipe. Well, we've made that for you. So you can just get that frozen and turn that into your favorite. I'm doing a quiche with some tonight or sausage rolls, pies, whatever. It's so versatile. It even comes with its own cookbook URL, this pastry, because it just can do all sorts of things with it. And that's just gone on the online shop as well. So you can get that as well. So there you go. Primalalternative.com. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I need to. Um, I think my favorite childhood food was sausage rolls. <laughs> I obviously don't eat them these yeah. days. Let's find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you can now. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Helen, it's been so great to chat with you. I'm going to pop all the links in the show notes. Um, but just before we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted to share or have you got anything coming up? that you can give away at this point in time? Um, there's all sorts of exciting things in the pipeline, but nothing really that's um, mentionable. But I think yet, watch this space. Um, what I would like to leave you with, my one parting um, takeaway, if you like, would be that no matter where you are right now and no matter how you're feeling, whether it's any, any aspect of your life, whether it's your health or your relationships or your work, know that you too can change your life and achieve anything that you want to. Yeah. So beautiful. I just love hearing you Mm. speak. And I think the whole story is really inspiring and it's so great to see your success. So well done and all the hard work that I know you have put and continue to put in. And thanks so much for your time today. Steph, thank you. You're an absolute legend. I've really enjoyed our time together today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.